0: life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers
1: Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
2: Let the dance
3: macabre begin.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm
4: welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all.
5: Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive.
3: It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe?
5: It is easy what I say. What I say.
4: This is the Eurotrip Hello and welcome back to the Eurotrip podcast If you're a new listener around here, then it's a pleasure to have you with us If you've returned following episode one, then congratulations to you for making it this far My name is James
2: I'm Rob, as James said, it is a pleasure to have you with us for our second ever episode And there is so much for you, as ever, to look forward to
4: Indeed, we've got loads coming up for you this week. We'll be kicking off with the news in 90 as somebody big from the world of Eurovision news gives us the lowdown of all the stuff that's been happening in the last seven days. We've also got some games coming up and probably a chance for one of us or potentially both of us to embarrass ourselves a little bit.
2: Yeah, James talked about the news in 90 there. We've made it increasingly hard for whoever we invite onto the podcast every week, getting them to talk about the news in the world of Eurovision because as a fan, you'll know, August, quite a quiet month. We've also got the one second song and it's the hardest game in podcast land. James embarrassed himself last week. James, how wrong were you?
4: Yeah, I was about 10 years out, geographically hundreds of miles out as well, probably. Um, But I'm going to get sweet, sweet revenge on you, Rob, this week. Um, So make sure you stay tuned for that. You can play along at home. You can also play along with our European quiz as we quiz ourselves on one of the wonderful countries that takes part in the Eurovision Song Contest.
2: And every single week, we have our big guest. This week, the Queen of Eurovision, not Lorene, not Conchita, but the UK's entry from 2000, Nikki French joins us. And she also spills some legendary secrets about that iconic jacket.
3: People think, oh, it's so glamorous and lovely and and so on. It came from Topshop. (laughs) And Linda Martin actually cut the label out because she said, Don't ever tell anyone it came from Topshop.
4: Indeed, all that and more to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip.
2: This is the Eurotrip. So that's right, you are listening to the Eurotrip. As we said just there, it is fantastic to have you back with us for a second week. And if you are a return listener, you will know that we kick off the podcast with a little feature we like to call the news in 90 now why 90 because that is due to uh, us researching going through a number of big old eurovision books there's plenty of them out there you know you, you can buy them they're all on ebay which say that the uh, the average time that it takes a spokesperson at eurovision to go through the points and i was surprised it was th- this little time is 90 seconds james i don't know about you but it, it, i mean especially at this time of year it's quite tricky to try and get any news let alone Enough
4: news to take you through 90 seconds. Do you know what? Whose idea was it to start a podcast about Eurovision in August when we've got to try and find 90 seconds worth of news? I feel sorry for the guests we've got this week.
2: Yeah, I have never wished for the Junior Eurovision Song Contest to come round quicker. So we've got something to talk (laughs) about. Uh, This week, as you say, it is the man, the myth, the legend, the god of everyone's favourite Eurovision news site, Eurovoir. It is editor and founder, Anthony Granger. Anthony, hello.
5: That is possibly the most impressive introduction I've ever been given, and I don't think it's going to, anyone's ever going to reach that again. So I'll take that for the second episode, and if I ever come back, I don't need anything that sort of Oh.
2: Uh, before we go through uh, the news in ninety, and you are set the challenge, how are you feeling confidence wise? Because you've had the chance to listen to episode one. Nathan was, of course, with us uh, from ESC Extra last week. He did okay. he Got in, I think three, three or four news stories last week.
5: I'm I'm looking at my notes and thinking the first one I've got maybe too much to talk about, and then the the the, the uh, latter three go. I'm not sure I'm going to make it that far. So if I suddenly speed up towards the end when I think 90 seconds is coming up and become incredibly incoherent, I apologise now.
2: I, I don't think the listeners need to worry about anybody being incoherent when they've got to put up with me and James for half an hour every week. But anyway, <laughs> James, you're on timing duties this week. Are you ready?
4: I certainly am. Uh, Anthony, you've got 90 seconds to give us all the latest news in the last seven days. And your time starts
5: now. Okay, so the big news last week was the American Song Contest will launch in late 2021. Uh, the contest will be between the 50 states of the United States of America and will feature between five and ten shows. And um, so it will go through from heats to semi-finals and a grand final. The acts are going to be selected by what is being called the American Song Contest and Song Contest Academy. So this is formed of music professionals and artists from a variety of genres that will pick acts along the same lines of Eurovision. So it could be solo singers up to groups of six. Um, this is actually the second time they've tried to have an American Song Contest. So back in 2006, the EBU and NBC signed an agreement for an American version of Eurovision. Never happened. Wonder what, who's uh, desk that's sitting on now. Next bit of news. Ireland is the latest brought, uh, country to withdraw from the Junior Eurovision con- uh, Song Contest. So they're the fourth country to withdraw citing COVID-19. They follow in the footsteps of Australia, Wales and North Macedonia. Now, last three ones that I'll try to get to is junior Eurovision selection. So, Poland, chance and their success. No, i butchered that. Uh, there are 21 singers uh, involved across three semi finals. One act will have caught other five from each of the semi finals. In the final, each of the three finalists will perform a cover and then the song they want to represent Poland with at Junior Eurovision the finals on September 27th. Ukraine, they will have 11 acts in a online selection round. Um, that will be selected by a load of jurors. There will then be an online final in which the public will select the winner alongside the jury vote. The winner will be announced by the 12th of September. And Kazakhstan. that, Anthony
4: Granger, ah. I'm afraid, is your time. You've had 90 seconds. I feel like you were going to try and squeeze in some more news stories there, but I'm afraid that is your time up.
2: When it comes to August,
4: 90 seconds sounds
2: like a long time, doesn't it, when you're trying to get through all the
4: news? <laughs> Now then, Anthony, we need to take one of those news stories that you've just told us about, and we need to have a chat about it in a bit more detail. And for us to do that, myself and Rob have to agree, Um, which actually seemed to work last week. But I imagine at some point, probably this week, we're not going to agree. So Rob, first of all, which one do you want to have a chat about?
2: It's difficult this week because the Junior Eurovision Song Contest does have a special place in my heart. Uh, But
4: there's just so much to talk about with America
2: and Eurovision, isn't there? There's There's just so much to go on
4: fantastic two weeks in a row and we agree because i want to chat about that as well because there's going to be so much that we can uh, we can have a chat about there so anthony simple question
5: is it going to work in my mind this is not the eurovision song contest what this is is a glorified national selection it's melody festival on steroids made for an american audience there's the, it's it's not what we're going to see if you'll get the variety of Moldova coming with something wacky versus Sweden coming with something polished. I'm intrigued to see how you end up with uh, variation in the music between, let's say, Delaware and Wyoming. Who, how, how do you create a, a support base around that? I'm interested to see how that works.
2: I think we're going to end up with a lot of country music. That's one thing I definitely think we're going to see from this contest. James, I know you said this on, a, on another podcast, actually. You were fortunate enough to be invited onto the uh, Nalpois podcast, which uh, people can still hear out there on, on all these streaming platforms. And you said that you think the contest is going to be quite worthy. I don't know if you agree, Anthony. Is it going to be less about fun, more about... I mean, this sounds like a weird thing to say about a music contest, more about musical integrity, which Eurovision so often isn't.
5: I feel like there's, the question mark, there's a few question marks, the big one being the, the genres, but also the staging, right? In Eurovision, if every nation has a separate delegation, they all come with their own different ideas of what they want to do and someone that's thought out this idea. How do you get that variety if everything's being produced by the same same group of people what allows one state for example to have something very showy whereas another goes actually we're going to have something more stripped back how are they going to make that decision
4: do you know i think personally i think it's a great idea that eurovision is branching out and getting itself across the globe i think my only concern is that it could potentially open the door to The USA trying to, you know, force its arm through the door of Eurovision here in Europe and say, well, you know, you've given us this right. We've had, you know, we've had our version of the contest for a few years. Now we want to join the big party, Australia. So why aren't you going to let us in?
2: Now this is really a production meeting on air that we should have had before we started this uh, this chat with you, Anthony. But looking ahead to the Eurotrip episode number, trying to work out what it might be, twenty odd. Well, let's predict the winners of the first ever American Song Contest. And then we can play this audio back and see how terribly wrong we were. And this is, of course, based on absolutely nothing. Anthony, you're our guest. You can go first.
5: Um, Let's hazard a guess at California. It's a, a good, that- as
2: good
4: a guess as any at this point, yeah. isn't it? Next year, when, when that comes to fruition, he can just say, yep, that was a very educated guess, I had good reasons for it, and <laughs> there they go, they were the winner. I'm going to say uh, the first ever winners are going to be Hawaii.
2: I mean, I've got enough states to choose from, and I too was going to say Hawaii, <laughs> based, based on nothing. I would like to see a group of four men, all clad in check, singing some sort of barbershop-esque song, for Alaska. That is what I would like to see. I'd like to see some sort of grizzly bear imagery in the background. I'd like to see them properly embrace their sort of state feel or exactly how we view them from the outside. Oh, Alaska for the first American Song Contest, right?
5: That is quite the mental image going on right now. I'm not (laughs) sure what to do with it.
2: And on that note... Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Of course, the Eurotrip is a podcast brought to you by Eurovoir. But if people want the latest news, where can they go? Uh,
5: So so all the Eurovision news, junior Eurovision, any Eurovision event, Eurovoir.com. And if you're more interested in the American Song Contest and some more uh, international events, uh, Eurovoir World is covering that show as well. So thank you very much for having me.
3: This is the Eurotrip.
4: You're listening to the Eurotrip Podcast here on Acast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure to leave us a review if you liked it and rate us five star. Uh, it is now time for the European quiz, which Rob, we haven't renamed yet. Why on earth have we not renamed it? It sounds naff, doesn't it? I
2: heard the sign, your voice there. I'm as disappointed in us as you are. Um, there's no real excuse. If anyone wants to get in touch on Twitter with a better name for the European quiz, you're welcome at Eurotrip Podcast. Because, well, here we are. I mean, it does what it says in the tin, I suppose. Uh, last week, we were an absolute full of ourselves knowing nothing about Switzerland. Who knows what's to come this week?
4: Who knows what's to come? Uh, each week, we're going to be joined, or at least joined in some form, by Samuel Deacon, the man behind Eurojury, for the past eight years or so. So let's head over to him now and find out which country we're going to be quizzed on this week. Following this week's
1: controversial election... Here are three questions about the country that is often described as Europe's last dictatorship. I'm, of course, talking about Belarus.
2: Yeah. Before we start, James, actually on on the uh, on the questions this week for the European Quiz, must say um, the people of Belarus, we are thinking of you here on the Eurotrip podcast. Um, I know you are going through a lot. It's a very difficult time for everyone in that country. I was lucky enough to be there in 2018, and you were thoroughly hospitable minsk is a fantastic city and yeah we just want to just want to let you know that we are standing with you and hopefully there is a, a brighter future
4: along the way soon now then rob as we found out last week you've been to switzerland as i know you seem to have been everywhere you of course this week have also well not this week but you have in the past been to belarus
2: are you saying gives me an unfair advantage this week is that what you're
4: saying well, all I'm saying is I don't know what the questions are. So, if there's something about your lovely trip to Belarus with Sam himself from 2018, then you're going to be at some sort of unfair advantage.
2: Well, we need a winner this week because last week on the on the European quiz we famously ended in a it ended in a one all draw. So, and you one of those points you got last week was absolutely ridiculous. You got it despite being about 700 out on one of the answers. Right. But anyway, come on.
4: Stop stop with this debate. You know, I won that point fair and square. It's a draw so far. We're going to head over to Sam now to try and settle this debate with question number one. Minsk Arena
1: played host to the Junior Eurovision Song Contest in 2018. To the nearest thousand, can you tell me what is the seating capacity inside?
2: Now, this is where you kind of are allowed to say that I have a, a slightly unfair advantage because I have sat in that very arena... So you might think I've got a decent idea. Obviously I don't. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to how many seats were in there, but I don't know. James, you go first. It's only
4: polite. How very polite. And as as I said, I preempted it. You've got an unfair advantage. You've been there, I haven't. But I'm not going to be bitter. I'm just going to I'm, I'm going to take an educated guess here. And I'm going to say the answer is 12,000. My
2: main memory of the Minsk Arena is that they charge you a, a, almost a mortgage for a uh, for a bottle of fizzy drink. Anyway, you've said 12,000. I'm going to go with I think it's bigger. I going to go 16,000.
1: The answer to that is 15,000.
2: Oh, now I'm going to take a point there. Please tell me I'm allowed a point there. I I'm within a thousand. I've basically got the right answer.
4: You basically did get the right answer, and I'm going to bring it back to this again. Rob, you have been there. That's like, that's like the question being, Rob, how many sofas do you have in your house? And you of course know the answer, and I don't, so, you know. I'm going to give you the point, but it just seemed very underhand.
2: For half a point then, how many sofas do I have in my house?
4: Uh, two.
2: Three. Bad luck. One's a sofa. You had a chance to reclaim yourself half a point, and you failed. Anyway, you might get on better with question number two. Here's Sam again.
1: Why would it be impossible
2: to listen to this podcast at an underground station in Belarus? So why is it impossible to listen to this podcast underground in Belarus? Uh, I mean, there are a number of potential reasons that we might not go into on this podcast, Uh, but I didn't travel on the underground in Belarus when I was there so I'm going to say that I'm on a level playing field with you on this one it's my turn to go first isn't it
4: it is yeah so I can sort of gauge where you're going with this and so sort of maybe he's followed the lead a little bit I think
2: you can't listen to this podcast underground in Belarus because it's a trick question because there are no undergrounds in Belarus
4: Oh, I like your thinking. I like it. I, I like what I, you've done
2: there. I don't, because I think I'm probably wrong. But anyway, go on. Um,
4: it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I kind of had an idea that it might be a trick question. But since you think it's a trick question, I'm just going to presume it's not a trick question, because you're not very good at this sort of thing. Um, so I'm going to say you can't listen to this podcast. Um, simply, as anywhere, you don't get good data service underground. Apart from Vienna, actually.
2: Fun fact about Vienna.
4: Move on, move on, Rob, move on.
2: For our Austrian
1: quiz, remember that. It's actually illegal to wear earphones in metro
4: stations due to safety concerns. Well, there you go. Illegal to wear earphones. I mean, I've heard it all now. And to be honest, I kind of feel a bit robbed because I didn't say it out loud, but I was thinking, well, maybe there's some sort of you know, it's something to do with uh, legality, and I didn't say it out loud. So I reckon you'd have probably given me half a point if I'd said that out loud.
2: I think I probably would have done. Uh, I do remember now, actually, now we're talking about the Belarusian uh, underground, which is a phrase you'll only hear on this podcast. Uh, Sam, who was giving us the questions today, he did take a ride on the underground, and they gave him a small plastic token with which to pay, which tells you
4: everything you need to know about Belarus. Sorry, just these stories. Remarkable. (laughs) But anyway, I've got a little bit of a chance here to claw it back and bring it back to 1-1 just like it was last week with question number three. Zena, the artist that
1: represented Belarus at the 2019 Eurovision Song Contest in Tel Aviv, also voiced the Russian dub of which Disney film
2: character? So before we answer that, what on earth was that pronunciation of her name? Is it not Zena? I thought it was Zena. We might be pulled apart on Twitter for this.
4: Yeah, I'd have said Xena. You said Zena. He said Xena. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's overruled. It's two to one here.
2: But then he is the question master. So should we have done that to him? Maybe not. And does that mean we're going to get harder questions next week? Probably. Oh, I'll be honest. I don't know much about Russian Disney. I don't know about you.
4: <laughs> well, you say that. However... Within the last week I found myself I don't on... know
2: where this is gonna go.
4: <laughs> I found myself on Xena's Wikipedia page. I, and I also I'd love re- I'd
2: love to ask why. Why did you end up on Xena or Xena's Wikipedia page?
4: I've got a lot of free time at the moment. I'm just you know, just just the casual research you do on a on a Tuesday evening. Um, so I was on there and I do remember Disney being mentioned, but. and that is as much as I remember. I'm afraid. So I'm going to throw over to you, Rob, to try and pluck a name out of midair while I try and scroll through my memory bank and find out what the answer actually was.
2: I'm trying to think of like m- recent Disney films that it that she could have could have been part of. I reckon because I can't remember the name of the other princess. I think she was Anna in Frozen, but specifically. Frozen
4: 2? It's a confident answer there, Rob. I am going to say an answer which... I'm not big on Disney. I'm not big on Russian Disney either. Sorry, you're Um, not big on Disney at all? No Disney? mm, No, not at all. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. So, I'm going to say a character name, and I hope, for the love of God, it's actually a Disney character. And I'm going to say Mulan.
1: The answer to that one is Moana. You may also be interested to know that in Belgium, Moana was voiced by Laura Tesoro. Uh, in Croatia, it was by a woman called Mia, a participant in this year's Euro Jury and Adoro competitor. And in Sweden, Moana was dubbed by Victoria. So if you get a moment, pop onto Spotify or Apple or whatever you use and take a listen to her version of How Far I'll Go.
2: But obviously only do that. After you finished listening to us, I can't believe he's trying to tell people to to bin off the Euro trip
4: halfway through. He's milking his moment there, isn't he? We said to him, you know, quick 10 second clips of these questions and answers. He's gone off for half a minute there. What's that all about? Bugs? Well, maybe uh, him,
2: maybe maybe he, like you, has very little on at the moment.
4: <laughs> so the answer was um, Moana, which I think was actually the answer I was thinking of. I just got my uh, classic Disney characters mixed up. Your classic Disney M's it.
2: the wrong way around
4: a disney W's if you put your disney m's the wrong way around what oh should
2: we shall we should we uh should we wrap up with the, the quiz this week i'll take the title i'm the current holder we drew last week i won this week and i think no don't you pick that mic up and say anything else i think it's time time for something else forget that ever happened everyone and please come back for episode three next week this is the euro trip
4: Now then, my embarrassment is swept to one side. It is time to move on here on the Eurotrip Podcast. And it is time, Rob, for our big interview
2: yeah you're very lucky if you get invited back for week number three the listeners may be here you might not be tune in next week to find out uh james is right though the big interview is back this week because every week we are showcasing one of the biggest names from the world of the European song contest last week we heard from eric gabriel who has taken part in melody festival in the past he was also part of that epic dance routine for Moldova back in 2018. But for this week, we are going back even further than Little James's life. We are going back to 2000, the Eurovision Song Contest in Stockholm, when the UK was still a Eurovision superpower. Ah, what heady days. Representing them that year was Nikki French, a woman who has gone on to become an absolute icon despite not doing that well on the big night itself. So I asked her what it was like to be such an icon in the eyes of so many Eurovision fans.
3: It, it genuinely, genuinely means so much. I, people know, I absolutely love the contest. Um, and when I had done Eurovision back in 2000, um, I submitted another song the following, or actually about two years later. Funnily enough, um, co-wrote it with Katrina. Um, and we, you know, it didn't get anywhere, so in in the national selection. Um, and I remember a few people saying to me, right, okay, you've done it now, just leave it alone, you know, move on, find something else. And there was something in me that just couldn't do that because Eurovision had meant so much as a little kid and all the way through my my career. And it was just so, 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 so important to me that I I just went against all advice and kept involved with all things Eurovision. And now I co-host the London Eurovision party with Paddy O'Connell, I get invited thankfully to still do Eurovision special gigs in April May time or any time of year um, I now I'm back recording some Eurovision songs of old and they seem to go well um, and I'm so glad that I did ignore people's advice because it really is it's a very very special organization shall I say or, or group to be a part of it's it's just Something very, very special to me.
2: We'll obviously talk about 2000 in a moment because we can't not. But uh, <laughs> you mentioned there, obviously, all the Eurovision gigs that, that you do and you love doing. What are some of the favourite songs that you have that you perform?
3: Oh, goodness. I tell you, one of my favourite favourites to get the party going is, is the one that won the year before me, Take Me to Your Heaven.
2: I saw in Eurovision again the other week, yeah, that that won again. And it was very unsurprising (laughs) that it won again. No, what a fantastic. I was in Finland.
3: I was doing a gig in Finland that night. And I was going around the hotel saying to them, Do you get the Eurovision Song Contest on your TVs? And they were like, Yes. So they told me which channel to tune into. And I watched some of the contest. I saw Charlotte and remember thinking, that, that that just has to win. And about 10 minutes later, I had to go downstairs to the nightclub that was in the hotel to do my gig. I've never regretted doing a gig so much. And then when I got back into my hotel room, of course the contest was over and uh, I didn't find out until the next day who won. But oh gosh, what a, what a super song. So perfect.
2: No, it's a great song. What if we... I mean, we have to move a year a year on from 99. Uh, there, you were, there you were doing that gig in, in the nightclub in Finland and then a year later it was you on the stage.
3: Surreal, what, totally what, surreal.
2: What does it feel like to you? Does it feel like a bit of a dream or do you really remember everything really vividly?
3: Both, both. It was a, a total dream and I wanted to remember every every waking minute. Even, even the scoring, Um, and the boats you know when they came in or rather didn't Um, even that you know I just remember every section of it and all the rehearsing we did and um, before we went to Sweden the sort of dance routine that we had to had to learn you know the the, the uh, we went to you know a nice big posh dance studio in London and we had a proper choreographer and then we went to buy the the outfits and we were going up and down Bond Street in London to get these outfits and um, just absolutely everything and the gigs that we had in between were so enjoyable and and I remember going to some gigs in in gay clubs and when I got there they'd decorated the whole club with Union Jack Bunting for me. And it was just so overwhelming and, and really moving. It meant, it meant so much that it meant so much to other people, you know. Um, and then getting over to Sweden and all the different um, things that you have to do over there, you know, they, they lay on such a, such a huge timetable of events for you and receptions and meeting different people from Stockholm and so on and it was just a whirlwind but it was magnificent and it was just so 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 enjoyable
2: I'm uh, I'm gonna take you back up so slightly purely because I'm fascinated by the by the idea of you picking your own outfits is that what happened? Did, <laughs> did, did you get to pick your own outfits on Bond Street?
3: Kind of kind of um Mine actually came from Savile Row, I'll have you know. Very nice. Um, we, we had spent the day, the two girl backing vocalists and, and I, um, Julia and Patty and I, with um, a lady called Linda Martin. Not the one that won for, for, for Ireland, <laughs> but a different lady who was employed by the BBC regularly as a um, costume lady and we met her in London um, early in the morning and she she took us round Bond Street and pretty quickly, and Oxford Street as well, um, pretty quickly we found the girls' tops and their trousers and all day we were trying to find something for me. And we were trying things on and they just weren't right. And literally it was about quarter past five in the evening and she said, I've got one more idea. And she phoned um, William Hunt, it's called, mm-hmm. in, in oh no, Germing Street. That's right, Germing Street. We were in Covent Garden at the time, and she phoned them, because she knows everybody in every single store. And she phoned them and said, right, um, we're coming over there. Can you stay open? So they they waited for us to get there in a cab from Covent Garden to German Street, which isn't far. And we'd probably have been quicker walking, but we got in a cab.
2: I was going to say rush hour traffic in London.
3: Totally. To- nearly <laughs> half past five at night. So um, we rushed in there and they showed us this like two-tone lilac um, Thai silk top and trousers and it didn't look like it ended up looking it was just a really boring sort of tunic round the neck here and it was all full you know there was nothing special about it except the color and I saw the the material and I went oh I like that so she said right we're getting that and I will adapt it for you so she sewed a wonder bra into it and she cut it down here, and she put rhinestones on it, and she cut it up, so it was under my midriff, which was a mistake, and she put like beading around the bottom of it, and it, it just transformed the whole thing, and it, it was amazing. Um, we'd found the jackets, there were three long jackets, because the the purple jacket is now kind of part of Nikki French nowadays I have to take it to every Eurovision gig I do it goes with me people think oh it's so glamorous and lovely and and so on it came from (laughs) Topshop and Linda Martin actually cut the label out because she said don't ever tell anyone it came from Topshop um so yeah and we had a pale green one and a pale blue one for the two girls as well but when we were sort of trying the outfits over in um, Stockholm in rehearsals it was decided that either the girls would wear them or I would wear it not all three because it just looked messy so it ended up just being being me it wasn't my decision it was everyone else's so um, and I was happy with that and it's as I say it's now become a little legend of itself Um, but people don't need to get too close to it because it is it is now 20 years old and (laughs) I've worn it on very sweaty evenings, let me say, but it always gets dry cleaned every year.
2: I was going to say, it hasn't got any questionable stains on it or anything. You haven't got your dinner on it by accident.
3: Uh, no, no, I've managed <laughs> to avoid that. But um, yeah, bless it.
2: Uh, I've got a couple more questions before, uh, before I let you go, Nikki. Uh, the first one is something that we, we ask everyone that we get on the, on the, uh, on the podcast, because everybody asks what your favourite Eurovision song is, but we ask, What's your second favorite Eurovision song? <laughs> because why, why be boring and ask for the favorite?
3: <laughs> oh my, oh gosh. Oh, it's so difficult. It's difficult enough to think of my first <laughs> choice. Um, and I, I regularly sort of dip around with different ones. Um Let's go for a modern one. I tell you, one that really hit me very quickly was Australia's very first entry, which again I've covered. Um, but I absolutely loved Guy Sebastian's Tonight Again.
2: Nikki, I can't let you go without asking what are you up to now? What's going on? What's new in the life of Nikki French?
3: I'm about to go into the studio to start recording some new tracks. There are some wonderful new tracks that I've been sent and I've, I've sort of picked around and decided which ones I want to do. Um, We've got three in the bag already that I'd recorded in October, November last year. So they're ready. They're being worked on by producers. Yeah. So we're looking at uh, a new album for 2021, I think. Um, And it was a shame because this was my 20th year since Eurovision. We wanted to have stuff that I could, um, you know, could release as a special anniversary thing. Hopefully we might be able to get something together for the 21st anniversary. You never know.
2: So as you heard there, what an absolute legend Nikki French is. And as we learned... That iconic jacket that you see at every London Eurovision party and you saw on the big night in Stockholm, this came from Topshop. So, James, both me and you could both go out and buy that, and I think you would look delightful. Purple is very much your colour.
4: Indeed, just like it is yours as well, because that lovely pink jacket that looks exactly like nikki's that you're wearing now, it's looking quite fetching on you, Rob. Let's move on. We are going to finish up this week's podcast with the one-second song. If you were listening last week, you will, of course, know that we, in turn, play each other the opening second of a song from the Eurovision Song Contest. Now, last week, Rob played me a clip from LT United's We Are The Winners, way back from 2006.
2: Now, because James is... Basically, an embryo. 2006 to him feels like about half a century ago, and he would claim that is why he did not get that correct answer. So, who knows what you've got in store for me this week? I'm actually quite scared.
4: So, you should be. And do you know what, actually, before we move on from last week, I just thought I'd do a bit of digging on LT United and I didn't see what they're up to nowadays. Didn't quite find out a great deal of what they're up to. However, I did find an article on um, what I believe is your favourite website, Bob, uh, which was the Robbie Gossip Gazette.blogspot.com. You're speaking
2: um, to Robbie Gossip Gazette himself. <laughs> if only.
4: Which, which is, of course, um, a fan side of Robbie Williams. And I found out that in 2006 at a concert in Brussels, uh, Robbie Williams himself performed We Are The Winners.
2: And if he had on that
4: big night in Athens, could probably have done better than they did, I'd have thought. I'd imagine so. But moving on to this week, it's my turn to get some sweet revenge on Rob after he embarrassed me last week. So this time I've sent him over uh, the, the first second of a Eurovision song. And he's about to hear it for the first time, just like you at home.
2: Ah, James. James, 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 James. A little bit of piano at the start there, as we've heard on so many Eurovision songs down the years. So, so far in my head, I've narrowed it down to being one of the almost 2,000 songs we've heard so far. Uh, That's about as good as I've got so far.
4: Well I tell you what, it's it is difficult, isn't it? Um, I tell you what, we'll give you and the listener one more opportunity to listen to it and then we're gonna have your guess.
2: I think this is from a relatively recent Eurovision. I think we we saw this song not that long ago. I can kind of I think you said this last week. I can almost well actually last week you were very confident in the wrong answer, so maybe the same thing's about to happen for me. I can almost visualise the performance, but it's going to have to be a stab in the dark.
4: Before we continue, of course, there's four points available. You've got a point for the year, the point for the country, the point for the song title, and a bonus point as well for the artist's name. So, are you confident on any of these whatsoever?
2: None at all. None at all. Famously, if you don't know the country or the year, chances are you probably won't get the supplementary two points for the <laughs> for the uh, the artist and the song title. Incidentally. I'm going to go with when it's one of those when you say it I'll know it when you say it I'll know it I'm going to go with 2013 I don't even know what the song was that year 2013 Latvia
4: well I can tell you uh that you're wrong. The country's wrong. The year is wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. Thankfully for you, you're not quite as wrong as I was. Potentially some listeners at home got it right. I'd be amazed if they did. The answer was, of course, Romania 2018. It was the humans with goodbye. Let's take a listen.
0: It's time. here say goodbye
4: hopefully next week our fortunes will change we'll be back next week with all of the same games the news and another big guest next week we're going to be heading over to the Baltic States. It'll be interesting to see which guest joins us next week. Uh, you've been listening to the Euro Trip here on Acast, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars.
2: Incidentally if you don't like the podcast, don't come back next week and don't leave us a review. We are on Twitter if you want to get in touch with us whenever you want. We are at Eurotrip Podcast and from me Thank you for listening and goodbye. And for me, it's goodbye.